0: Merry Christmas, happy holidays, thank you for listening to the podcast, we are presented by WinBet, betting at a team sport, bet together at WinBet, Leger, Deuce with myself Eric Allen, Deuce, happy holidays to you and the family.
1: Same to you, AEA man, it's a great time of year, you get to be around family, a lot to be thankful for, I know we're still dealing with this virus, this new strand, but it's, it's a lot to be thankful for.
0: I agree with that. And you love your work. Even though you got family coming into town, it's going to be a busy week for you, isn't it? Oh, man. I don't
1: think I have a day off this week. So trying to, you know, work in between, you know, getting together with the family, some good food, some gift exchanges. Uh, It's going to be a busy week for me, man. I'm sure it's going to be just as busy for you, too.
0: Yeah, my family's getting together. So I'm excited about that. My mom's getting everybody together. Obviously, we're taking all the precautions up until that. Uh, time. I hope everybody out there is safe. All the fans, everybody who listens to us, uh, the people who are going to be at MetLife Stadium, things like that. Because what we've seen lately, not just in the National Football League, not just yeah. the country, but throughout the world, is the spread of COVID. And we just are this is something that we continue to deal with.
1: Yeah, as this thing continues to mutate, it seems like year in and year out, this is something we have to deal with. So, I, I would just echo those sentiments like everybody, please, you know, take precaution, be safe out there. Uh, we are still in a pandemic right now. So um just be safe. I know you're going to interact with your loved ones. Everybody be smart. If you're in a big group, wear your mask. Um, Let's 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 just try to get to the end of this thing, man, and, and enjoy your holiday season, but just be
0: safe out there, man. It is something else right now that every day you look up across the national football league, and how many names are testing positive for COVID? Yeah. What did you think about the changes to the rules real quick? Because obviously everything's fluid and the NFL is trying to make sure their guys are safe. The players are safe, but they want to play all the games as well.
1: Yeah. I was trying to understand the rules. I know you saw some of my tweets earlier this week of the new changes. Uh, the NFL is doing and, and people have to understand this is a fluid situation, right? Because We keep getting these new strands and supposedly maybe this one is not as dangerous or i think it's just as or more contagious but as far as like the health the health risks and people potentially having to go to the hospital for catching it uh supposedly early on it's not as bad as some of the other strands so i think the nfl is you know trying to figure out the rules and and again this is fluid right uh this is a wait and see type of situation because we don't know how this virus is going to, going to take off. If, if this trend isn't potentially as dangerous Um, they just want to make sure that the players uh, are safe enough to go out there and play. And um, again, like this is something that is going to continue to change. The rules are going to continue to change because this, this is something we haven't dealt with before. So we won't know until we're actually in the heart of it and and figure out what is going on. Um, But to me at the end of the day, the most, important thing is that everybody is safe and that we play football the most safe way as possible
0: well said so let's talk some football not only about the jets but the national football league as well because things are getting really interesting here Ooh. in late december and quincy williams is going to join us as well how about that find by joe douglas off of oh, in september what a story uh quincy williams has been for the jets this season but Let's go and rewind a couple days and look back at the Miami game. Am I seeing this wrong? Because I left that game thinking, well, the Jets easily could have won that game. But the discrepancy between the Miami Dolphins and the Jets after two games, it's not great at all. And yes, no moral victories, but I thought there were some encouraging things that we saw from the Jets.
1: Yeah, to me, I think C.J. Mosley said it perfectly in this press conference after the game. They just executed at a higher level and pivotal points of the game. Um, if you're the New York Jets, you feel like you let two slip away. The first time it was because of um, penalties and self-inflicted wounds, which you cannot do in this league, especially if your talent isn't as great as the other team or greater than the other team. It's hard to really overcome some of those issues. And this game, it just came down to executing down the stretch Um uh, Offense looked really solid the first half, was literally did whatever they wanted to the first half. Defense looked really good the first half, and then the second half came in, and this has been the issue two out of the last four weeks going back to the Philadelphia Eagles game. The Jets have not just been able to finish in the second half, whether it's the defense coming out not being able to stop the run or the offense being able to get back on track, get that continuity that they had the first half. So if you're the the Jets, again, there's no moral victories. But in the back of your head, you had to be like, man, this team is potentially going to the playoffs. And we were right there toe to toe with them. And we could have potentially stole two games from them. Not stole because you had the, you know, you had every right to win both of those games. We just didn't execute execute when it mattered the most.
0: How about the defensive backfield? You've been high on Bryce Hall throughout mm-hmm. the year. I know he gave up the game winning touchdown to Devontae Parker, but he came up with three PDs again. And how about the guy playing opposite him who you went back and looked at the film and said he is not getting enough credit right now.
1: Yeah. So we'll start with Bryce. Hall. uh, top 10, I believe top six in P, uh, past breakups this year in the NFL has played at a really high level. The only thing that's stopping him from being great is him not going to get the ball. There was an opportunity, um, I believe on the third drive, I believe Ashton Davis got an interception on the second drive on the third di- drive. He does a good job driving on the ball from Devontae Parker, Parker pops the ball up right there. Go get the ball. Bryce saw, and then even Ashton Davis had a chance to go get the ball. So that is the difference between, a, you know, good defense and great defenses. Those great defenses, you know, on those opportunities, they go get the interception and give the ball back to their offense. Um, but Brandon Echols, man, yes, he had the pick six, which kind of overshadowed. And I don't even know if you could say that overshadowed his performance because this dude in coverage was sticky all day. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job in zone coverage. Just one time he's in cover two. And for people that don't know, cover two is two high safeties and your two corners are short to deep. He did a great job understanding the route concept and getting back on the play. He wasn't even supposed to be there, but he got there and got a hand on the ball. It was a play that Elijah Riley was coming across the field. It was kind of out of phase, out of position, but Brandon Echols saved him, came back and made a hell of a play getting the ball off the receiver. Uh, Brandon Echols just did a really good job. And I think last week was his first week back. He was trying to work his way back from the injury. But this week, man, this dude played with his hair on fire. He was the best defensive player. He might have had the best game out of everybody from the Jets yesterday, not just on defense, offense included. I think he had the best game out of everybody on the field. He just hasn't gotten enough credit for his performance uh, versus the Dolphins on Sunday.
0: He had three PDs and all. This is a kid who played Juco, then, who actually started his collegiate career as a receiver. Yeah. He made like a receiver on that pick six. Not only was that a good play that I want you to talk about, but after the game, he pointed to Michael Carter Carter, the second, and he said, MC said, this is what's up. This is what's coming.
1: Yeah, and that's great when you got a young secondary that's talking because now you're talking about two rookies talking to each other and understanding what teams are trying to do with them. And we knew this team was going to get better. This is a young team. Now that we're three weeks left in the season. These guys have seen a lot of football. They've played a lot of football. So they understand what concepts are. And, and when you're an off man, what when a guy, you know, sets to do a hitch route and you see the quarterback and when he's getting ready to release the ball. So on that play, the Jets were playing off man. So he was in man coverage and he saw that, uh, the, the receiver running a hitch route. And once he, you know, put his foot in the ground, he triggered right away. Like he knew that it wasn't a double move. Even if it was, there was a safety over the top and cover one. There was one safety over the top. Now you don't want to get beat there and put the safety on the island, but he knew that that ball was coming out. And I think it was the mechanics of Tua when he lets the ball out, not, not, not on a double move, but on a regular hitch route, he knew that Tua was letting that ball go and he broke on it. He didn't, didn't hesitate. And that's what you love to see from your young quarter. One, the communication aspect, because that is monumental in the secondary. And then the confidence to know what route concept is coming and then to go get the ball. And that's the thing that the Jets have struggled with, right? Going to take the ball away. That's a good job. Not only taking the ball away, but then putting your team back in the game, right? Because I believe that tied the game up and it was a whole new ball game and gave the Jets life.
0: Jets had two interceptions, but they probably easily could have had three to four against Tua Law, I right? counted it. Yeah. It should
1: have been four easily. Uh, the play that we talked about earlier when Bryce Hall did a really good job on Devontae Parker, man coverage, popped the ball up. He could have picked it off or Ashton Davis could have picked it off. There was another play in the back of the engine with Elijah Riley, and Mike Gusecki, and literally Brandon Eccles came in late. It was practically triple coverage. The ball was just in the air. Elijah Riley, and and I'm glad he's doing better. But just go get that ball, man. It's yours. Like, it's not just the receiver's ball when it's in the air. It's a DB. You have to have the mindset. If this ball's in the air, it's mine. So that was another opportunity with Tua with a a bad throw, right? Throwing it into practically triple coverage that the Jets should have came down with an interception as well.
0: So so what's the teaching point? Obviously, you want to come up with the interception. But uh, uh, is the thought process there, do you think, for a young DB, I, I just got to knock this ball down?
1: Yeah, I think it it, it comes with confidence, right? These these are first, second-year players, EA. So when you're in that position, the first thing you use is, like, I just got to knock the ball away and do my job. But when you go to that next level and that confidence level, like, nah, I'm not just going to knock the ball down. I'm coming to take this ball away. This is my ball. Like, I'm going to get the ball back for our offense. As a defense, we want to pride ourselves on takeaways. So that is a next step for this young secondary, being able to, like Brandon Echols did on that one play, having the confidence to trigger and they'll go get the ball without hesitating. If they can do that, this young secondary can grow, and you add a few pivotal pieces in the offseason. This could be a special group in the back end, and I know this is a group that everybody was worried about going into the season, but this could be a true strength for the the next three or four years.
0: Yeah, that's one of the primary reasons I was encouraged by the Jets during that game. You mentioned Riley going down. Scary concussion. Anytime you get the backboard out, and then a player goes out on a stretcher, what's that moment like for somebody who's competed in between those white lines?
1: Hey, it's tough, man. Cause that's your brother, right? You've been in war with this guy. You've been in practice and meeting with these guys. You you've gotten to know him um, outside of the game of football. So when you see your brother go down like that, it's a scary sight, especially when you said they bring out the backboard and then they cart him off the field. But the, the thing about that is it, it sucks, but you have a game to still play. And he, honestly, he would want you to go out there and continue to play at a high level. So, uh, when it, when a situation like that happens, man, you're just praying that everything is all right. That he, you know, all his extremities are still intact. Intact, he's able to get movement in all his extremities. But at the end of the day, you honor him by going out there and continuing to play the game that he loves and that you love, and playing at a high level.
0: If the Jets won that game, and, and thank God uh, Elijah Riley is okay. Yeah, exactly. He traveled home. He traveled home with the club, and Robert Salah said earlier this week that they expect him to play this season. So. Unbelievable. Um, you know, uh, uh, we're very thankful on that. So uh, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Yeah. If the Jets won that game, I would have gave a game ball to Michael Fleur. What 100%. was cooking? What was cooking for him in that first half? Because they were carving the Dolphins up.
1: Yeah, he was just inventive in the way he was calling uh, the play calls. If you look at it, he had some some trick plays, some trickeration, as I would call it. You had the the, the end around to – Braxton Berrios. Then you all saw the speed sweep where he throws it back to Zach Wilson. Then he throws it down the field. They also had some something similar to the Philly special. Uh, Keelan Cole, man, I, I don't know what your quarterbacking skills are like. But next time, just throw that one out of bounds, man, because that could have been a dangerous ball. But Michael Ford just made the offense fun. And then he also made the game extremely easy for Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. gave him some RPOs, right? Then also gave him some bootlegs where he was able to find West Cole. He was able to find Croft, even found Ryan Griffin one time on a bootleg. So his first read was just always open and then gave him some RPO action too, run pass option where Zach Wilson could throw the ball or he could hand it off. So Mike Forger just did a really good job of making the game easy for Zach Wilson in that first half.
0: Yeah, so that's another thing that I'm looking at as a big-time positive. The Jets, for the second time in three games, they came out firing, moving Mm -hmm. the football up and down the field and scoring. The fellas, to a man, talked about the Dolphins' adjustments at halftime, especially the back end, what they did coverage-wise. What did you make from Wilson in the second half? How were they frustrating not only him but the offense? Because at the end of the day – The offensive line, and I I thought was in rhythm. You were getting some good push in the run game as well. We talk about the passing game and how Mike LaFleur simplified things for Zach Wilson. And in the second half, it just got harder for the Jets.
1: Yeah. So, what was surprising to me, EA, is that the Miami Dolphins came out and played a little bit more zone than they're accustomed to doing. And I think that's why Zach Wilson had a lot of success because he was able to find some of his receivers in the void in zone coverage. But what they did is they switched up the second half. They knew that Michael Floor and Zach Wilson were having a lot of success running bootlegs. So what they would do is they would send a corner on one side and the safety on the other side. So no matter if you booted to the left or the right, somebody was in your face right away. And I believe they got two of the six sacks just on that because they were timely blitzes. As soon as Zach comes off the handoff, there's a safety or a DB in his face, and he has to make either one guy miss or a guy is just going to hit him unabated to the quarterback. So Miami Dolphins, kudos to them. They did a really good job of saving some of those bullets because that's usually how they come out of the game, firing like that. They saved that to the second half, and it was hard for the New York Jets to adjust. So that was one of the key changes that they did. And, and like it took a while, so I would say about the fourth quarter, for the Jets to readjust to the adjustments that the Miami Dolphins had on defense.
0: So with the athletic Wilson, uh, a young quarterback and his offensive coordinators trying to get him in rhythm. I would imagine a lot of these teams down the stretch, these final three games are going to copy that game plan that we just saw from the Dolphins in the second half where they're going to try to negate those boots. Oh,
1: 100 percent. And this week versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, I know their defensive coordinator, Joe Cullen, is a guy that played defensive line for while at Jacksonville for two years. This is a guy that likes to go a lot of man coverage, two man coverage. So they're going to heat it up, especially on third down, as far as showing six or seven guys at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes they'll drop out and only rush three or four. But he'll heat it up every once in a while and go man coverage. So uh, Brandon Cooks last week, the first of Houston, Texas, and Davis Mills had a real connection. They were able to make them pay when they decide to blitz and go man coverage. Uh, he had a big game, a lot on these underneath routes. So I know that's something that Michael Floor is going to be looking at this week. So Zach Wilson just has to be prepared. And Michael Ford too, that uh, in this game, I would probably hold off on the boots. I would, you know, wait till probably the second, third quarter to bring some of those out because – this is a team that's probably going to bring some pressure off the edge because they saw that the Miami Dolphins, you know, were successful with that, and they also see that Zach Wilson is comfortable throwing on the run, so they know that Michael before might try to get him on the edge throwing the football. So uh, the run game is going to be big. We talked about this uh, earlier. Like Tevin Coleman has been a godsend since Michael Carter was out. Now it sucked that we had them both missing the week before. But Tevin Coleman in this game, I believe, still averaged over four yards of carry. Like when he hits, gets the ball and gets downhill, man, he's like a wrecking ball. And and like the first guy usually kind of bounces off him. There was a couple of times in that game I got kind of mad at him because I was like, man, you're supposed to score a touchdown. And you're supposed to run through that ankle tackle and get it to the end zone. But he does a good job of not dancing in the backfield and just getting north and south and getting positive yards. So. I look for Michael Carter to take another step. This will be his second week back now from the ankle injury. I think he'll be a lot more comfortable this week. So that one-two punch at running back is going to be big for Zach Wilson in this offense just to take the pressure off the young quarterback.
0: Where does Wilson have to get better? You mentioned a couple of those gadget plays. He had Ryan Griffin open underneath, just couldn't get a clean handle on the ball, and then he evades three Dolphins uh, defenders. There was a third and four play, I think, where – You know, he made like Houdini and escaped and was somehow able to come up with six yards. Those are great plays. They showcases athleticism, but those aren't plays that you can live off of. We know that, that they have to be the complementary pieces to actually playing the quarterback uh, within the confines of the system. Um, The athleticism is going to help you when everything breaks down, but they had a strong start um what's the counter what do you have to see from him down the stretch over these final three games
1: yeah to me everything you just talked about right his mobility is an asset but you have to know when and where to use that mobility like perfect example second drive of the game after dash and davis interception in the red zone on that third down zach wilson now he did a really good job of not compounding an issue by throwing an interception and just throwing the football away but he escaped the pocket to the left, but there was absolutely no reason for him to do that. Now, granted, it was man coverage, nobody was open right away, but his offensive line did a really good job of protecting them. Step up in that pocket, wait for somebody to uncover, and then try to get the ball to one of your receivers. But you escape the, the you know the pocket without any pressure. And there's a difference between like semi-pressure and then somebody unabated to the quarterback. And that's what he has to understand, EA. Like you're gonna get a little bit of push you know interior from your defensive tackles but you got to be able to step up in the pocket and still make throws just because you get one or two yard push doesn't mean you evade the pocket right away there's another example in the game on the sack fumble um when the jets were going down they were around the 30 yard line going down to either take the lead i believe to tie the game up late in the game where there was a sack fumble now mcdermott did get beat right but right away if you saw that they had Braxton Berrios run a quick bubble to the outside and Denzel Mims run a slant. Now he had both of those guys open and he came off of them. So he just has to do a better job of trusting it. And man coverage it's going to be tight window throws. You're going to have to make those throws in the NFL. You cannot hold the ball, especially against a team like the Miami Dolphins, because they will make you pay. He ends up getting sacked. They fumble. Miami gets the ball back. And then also pocket presence. There was a third, I believe, in 12, about 935 left on the clock. He took a, he took, he was in shotgun, took the snap. He set up at 12 yards, EA. It's impossible for any offensive tackle in this NFL to block a defensive end running full speed for 12 yards. Like you have to step up in the pocket right there. He ends up taking a sack right there. And then, you know, the Jets have to punt the ball. So just the things like that, right? Stepping in the pocket, trusting your pocket, stepping up into it, making throws and not just evading the pocket when you get a little pressure. If it's not somebody unabated to the quarterback, there's no need for you to run outside the pocket. Stay in the pocket, make the throws down the field.
0: Uh, it's such an outstanding point here because in college, what is deemed pressure I think is a lot different than what is deemed pressure in the National Football League, 100%, right? 100%. where percent Where you can, you can have a clean pocket where maybe on Saturdays that was a pocket. And I'm not talking – this is not just a Zach Wilson –
1: These are rookies, period. (laughs) Rookies, period, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah, where they have to start to sense what actually is pressure, when I'm actually in trouble, and when actually I do have that moment to maybe go through another read and get rid of the football.
1: Exactly, and that's that's where you take that progression, right? That's the next step for Zach Wilson, understanding, one, you can't stay back at 12 yards and throw the ball because, one – you might not get to the first down mark by do that. And we actually kind of saw that on the, the the fourth and 10 play to Keelan Cole. Like the ball came out before Keelan could even get to the first down marker because Zach was so far back and he thought pressure was coming, but it was simulated pressure, right? They had. So you get nine yards
0: instead of 10, right? Yeah.
1: So like, he threw the ball before Keelan came out the break, which I love, right? But in that situation, you have to understand that I can't throw the ball until my receiver gets to the marker because if Keelan had gotten to the marker, that ball was going to be short. Like he had to dive down to get that pass because the ball was short. So you have to understand right there that if you set up at, you know, 9, 10, 11 yards and you throw the ball, it's taking you further away from the receiver. Step up into the, in the pocket. Let that ball go. You have to understand when you're getting real pressure or simulated pressure. And then also knowing that you don't have to always escape the pocket when you just get a little pressure. Like you said before, EA, understanding what real pressure is and semi-pressure is. Like if somebody's unabated to you, yes, that's when you use your mobility, then you can throw off platform. But if you're just getting a little push, you have to sometimes stare down that rush and be able to throw the ball down the field in the pocket. That's when you take that next gradual step in the NFL as a big-time quarterback.
2: Well, let's bring in Quincy Williams. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free, $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Quincy, thanks for joining us. What goes through your mind as you prepare for this
0: game this weekend against the team that drafted you, the Jacksonville Jaguars?
3: Um, Number one, I want to say every game is a big game when it comes to the next game. Uh, But the main thing, this is more of a personal game for me. So uh, it means a lot for me. So my preparation is going to be on point. Nothing's going to change as far as like um, the way I approach the game other than my mindset uh, going into the game. But as far as preparation, as far as uh, my schedule of practice and stuff like that, nothing's going to change because I can't make the game bigger than what it is.
1: I love that you said that, man, because I I remember when I used to play my old team, people would be like, yeah, it's just another game. No, it's not another game. Like, it's personal. But now your preparation, of course, is the same. But in your mental, you're thinking, like, this is a team that let me go. They didn't think I was good enough. The Jets saw me, and they they thought that I could play in this league. So I'm glad that you said that. Um, Let's just take take a step back and just talk about this whirlwind of this season for you, right? You're with Jacksonville in August. They cut you. The Jets bring you in. Um, we had known you'd been a special teams ace, right? Um, hadn't really had the opportunity to be the guy on defense. And then, you know, Sherwood gets hurt. You go in, play really well. Sherwood comes back. Um, you go back to special teams and you ball that first game on special teams immediately. And then Sherwood goes down again. And now you've solidified yourself as a starter on this defense. Just talk about the growth from, you know, August being cut and getting here early September. And then, you know, you know, really finding your niche and becoming a starter on this defense.
3: Um, so when it came to August uh and actually got cut, I was kind of down about it because getting cut by any team, it's like uh your dream is ending. And then uh I got a second chance picked up, getting picked up at wire. It was a blessing that the Jets came in. Um seen, seen what they seen to me and gave me another shot. And the main thing was just taking my preparation of what I've learned in the NFL so far applying it, and then also coming in with a listening ear and picking up more things from the jet. So uh, a couple of games, I mean, games went by, Chevrolet went down, and the opportunity presented itself, and I took full advantage of it. Um, that was the biggest thing, and just, uh, just really put in my preparation and stuff like that. So uh, it was something that I had to prove, I felt like. Um, the big thing of me and I still hold to this day is the day I got drafted and no one knew who I was, not even the people who was doing the scouting or the people who was even announcing my name knew who I was. So uh, I still keep the video to this day, uh, watch it every day before the game. So it's just something I had to prove, myself, uh, prove to everyone else because I know who I am. And so um, that's the biggest thing.
0: There's different tackling numbers out there, but I'm looking at NFL Jesus right now. They have you down for 90 tackles this season, 61 solos, two sacks, nine tackles for loss, four PDs, three fours, fumbles. That's some kind of season, man. I, I wanted to ask you about the tackling stat, though. Did you ever think when you got released by Jacksonville in August that you would be playing on a team and not only taking on a key role, but you're going to end up with more than 100 tackles this season?
3: to be honest I was being realistic uh get cut by the Jaguars which is uh at that time was one of the worst organized when well, I worst organization but the record wise and stuff like nah, that No, you
1: keep it 100- a <laughs> hundred
3: no I'm not gonna down talk anybody yeah but, I'm uh, just messing with you <laughs> but uh one of one of the one of the bad organizations as far as like uh record wise so Actually, like the first couple of hours, I was starting, I just took a little break and started thinking about what am I going to do with the rest of my life. Um, so I started making calls and stuff. Then my agent told me, like, hey, settle down. We still got wires and stuff like that. So I was kind of in that mind space of, like, uh, it's not in my control anymore. It's just a waiting game. And then the next day, as soon as the wires open, I got a call from the jet saying, you're going to be uh, playing with your brother. So uh, it was amazing. And then uh, after that, it was more like a... Uh, Just every single week, proving that it was like it was a mistake cutting me. It was a mistake cutting me. And to be honest, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Every single game I was playing for the Jaguars, promise you. I was playing the lead up to this game, every single game, just getting better every single day, every single game to get to this game
1: right here. Talk about what CJ Mosley has has meant to you in this defense and his mentorship with you being next to you. Like, how has he helped elevate your game?
3: He helped a lot. Like when I first got in the league, I had um, I was supposed to be learning from Taylor Smith, so a lot of things happened in that organization where uh, I didn't have that mentor. Next, it was Miles Jack, and I got a lot from him, but he was also a younger guy too, though, as um, far as, like, uh, just age-wise and stuff like that. He was a, lot, a little bit older than me in the league, but as far as age-wise, he was still young. But in that preparation, when I got here with CJ, someone who's a pro bowler where I want to be in my position, And then also uh, a leader on and off the field. So uh, that was amazing. And with him, I learned from the football game and preparation off the field as far as, like, treatment, uh, leading up to the game, just giving you a set schedule and stuff. And then I just took what he taught me, then on top of that what JD taught me, and then just put it together and just put my own little twist to it, really, and just got a, a good schedule for myself leading up to the games and after the games.
0: Can we talk about your love of video games and in particular Street Fighter? Because I want to ask you about your <laughs> your finishing move, the Dragon Ball. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, so me and Josh, uh, I got a good friend, Josh uh Miniman Jacksonville, actually. He played we played video games a lot of stuff. And I uh, we was playing Street Fighters one day. And in college I used to drop the hammer because of Cam Chancellor. And then it was more like we was playing a the game, then more the comeback came out with the finishing when you can like Put a little code in and he'll like the dude just be standing there and he'll finish him. So it's kind of like uh now after my big kids, it's more like a finish him type mentality.
1: Since you came from Jacksonville, what are some of the things this week you've been trying to really relay to your teammates as far as some of the schematics that Jacksonville does on offense and also their defense that has the offensive coaches kind of reached out to you and asked you about certain things?
3: Um, so far the main just been personnel. Um I was real close with the guys over there that they brought in the coaches now. So really just because they had just came in this year. I mean the year this year. So I really don't really know much about that. But as far as personnel wise, I'm real cool with those guys. And then just let my like special special teams, because that's what I harped on right before I left. Just what type of guys they are, uh, what kind of movements they have. I don't really know what the game plan might have changed before training camp or something like that, because they're just keeping it basic, but it is what it is. The people still the same. And really just letting everybody know that like this game is personal for me, so when it comes to practice and stuff, all that playing and all that kind of stuff, like it's not going to change my mindset on it, but just know it's going to be a lot more focused just because it's a personal game for me.
0: Can you talk about your love for swimming? I, I, no. I bring that up because my <laughs> sister, she's going she's gonna to swim at Colgate next year, but when you were growing up, dude, you were crushing it in the water.
3: Yeah, so my first love, my first love, the first sport was swimming, actually. Uh, It was more like a just escape from the heat type thing in Alabama. Um, But then as I started going and stuff like that, my coaches told me that you can be a real competitor in this, because at first I was just racing people just because. Um, And then one day uh, I was down. Well, I was at the end of the pool and my brother had had bedded me to see how long I could hold my breath. So I went down, I was holding my breath for a while. And then my coach came over and he was like, can you swim a whole lap holding your breath? And I was like, yeah. And he was so like, ever since then, it was like, how fast can you get all the way down so you can breathe? And then I I took that mindset to football also. And it was like, you got to want it more than you want to breathe. So just that mindset right there, it was kind of like, it just rolled over. And then it helped me out a lot with when I started playing football because now it's a full body workout uh, during the off season when I'm swimming. And then it's more like uh, controlling my breathing. So when I'm out down the field, I can uh, control my uh, lungs and stuff like that just because I've been swimming and doing full body workout. What were your best –
0: sorry, Quincy. What were your best strokes?
3: Uh, So it was the spread medley, which is uh, butterfly freestyle. Butterfly is my worst, though. So it was freestyle. Then it was breaststroke. Uh, backstroke was third. And of course, the worst one was uh, butterfly. But butterfly was just because you had to get all the way out and it was just a lot. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> it's either you got the form or you don't got the form. Mm-hmm. But uh, it helped me out. I got broad shoulders from it, um, really swimming, long arms. So uh, it helped me out a lot on the field.
1: So do you, I know you're a competitive swimmer, but do you ever get into the ocean, maybe do some free divers? I know you talk about holding your breath. I'm a big free diver. You ever get out there to do, do, any, do any of that, any free diving?
3: So, uh, this off-season, I do want to make that a thing. Uh, COVID, I haven't, uh, so I really didn't get a chance to do it. I do want to do scuba lessons also. Okay. Um, but jet skiing or just uh, deep sea diving or something like that, or uh, deep sea fishing or something, I do that. So, we caught a, a what it was, a red snapper. And then, yeah. like the line was breaking, so I ended up jumping in the uh, jumping in the ocean, just grabbing it, just getting it out. So it was yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> That's
1: what's up.
0: You're one of the most unique players in the NFL. Not too many guys have that background who, who play in the NFL where they were so competitive at the uh, swimming, in swimming, and also dudes. How about this? 5'11", 225 pounds. And I keep on double-checking that because I'm like, there's no way if you watch
2: Quincy yeah, play plays that he way plays bigger
0: 225 than that. <laughs> he, he He plays 6'2", 255.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a heart-type mentality. So, um, so my dad always told me on game day, it was like, it's either me or him. And then he was like, you just got to look at the mindset of, uh just taking it play-by-play play and just person after person. So, one play at a time. It's like just one ga- whole game at a time, and just saying like, uh, "This is either you're gonna win or lose this rep." And then it's just you and that person. So that's just the mindset I took. So just giving it all, one play at a time. And then at the end of the game, coach come to me like, "You played sixty snaps," and I would be like, "Oh, it, I did it, it didn't even feel like it." As far as like my body, yeah, it feels like it. But like <laughs> in mental state, <laughs> in mental state, like you got all these reps, it really doesn't feel like because I just take it play by play.
1: Quincy, there's a perfect system for each player. Do you feel like you're finally in that system that's tailored to your skill set?
3: Yeah, I do. Uh, but I also um, we talk. Me and the coaches talk a lot, and they just keep reminding me that I haven't, I haven't even peaked where I can be at, or I haven't even touched the surface of where I can be at. And then every single, every single day, every practice, I just tell them like I'm not getting complacent. Like there's still more I have to work on. The biggest thing uh, I've been working on, these last, well, starting from last week when we had this conversation with the last couple of games, just mostly, like, get my hands on the ball more and uh, actually, like, turn around to making PBUs and um, not just get forced fumbles on far like, my hits and stuff like that because hits are good, but turnovers win games too.
0: You said he's so good. What were your impressions of being around Trevor Lawrence uh, every day for a couple months uh, before you came here? Uh, it's just the
3: winning mentality that he has. Uh, that's the biggest thing. So he brought to the team as far as, like, winning every single play, uh, the competitive nature. He's a really good guy off the field also. Didn't really get to spend much time with him, but I heard a lot of stories about him. Uh, but on the field, he he was a true leader coming in, honestly.
1: Quincy, you you were there. We've stated that before. And after watching film on defense, what's the one thing, and we know James Robertson is probably going to get an uptake and carries, but what is the one thing on defense you guys want to take away from this Jacksonville offense?
3: We want to take uh, the short intermediate passes and, like you said, the run game. Just because, um, like CJ says, a respect type thing for you to run on us and run all the way down the field it means you doesn't mean you don't respect us. But uh, it, it's more like a self type thing. So you got to talk to yourself. But like you don't respect yourself because you're letting them run on you. So that's how we flip. That's how we flip the mindset of uh, being accountable to ourselves. Really.
0: How in the heck were you not invited to the NFL combine after being so productive at Murray State? Uh,
3: everybody got different paths. It's not about the way you get there, is uh it's not about how you get there, it's about where you are, what you're gonna do when you get there. That's what uh my coaches and stuff told me, my trainer during the combine, because uh me and Mac Wilson talked all the time for real, for real. And uh he went to the combine actually. So we talked all the time. Just let, He was just letting me, like, keep me in the loop and stuff like that. And every time he was like, hey, you should be here. You should have been here. You should have been here. And I was just like, man, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to be in the same spot, and then we get to challenge each other and stuff like that still, and we're in the NFL together.
1: Yeah, yeah I know you that, said there's a there's a video you watched. I came in as an undrafted guy and played 10 years. So I would always put on my locker, like, how bad do you want it and what are you willing to to do to achieve it and I would look at that before every practice before every game. Um so is this the the video that you talked about as far as you know <clears throat> people not knowing who you are and you getting drafted um is that a video you watch before you go out to every practice or like every game? Uh
3: most of every game uh the biggest thing is uh with me uh putting who I am on tape so not just telling not telling people like hey I'm a big hitter or hey I'm one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. Is me putting it on tape and letting them tell me who I am. So when people come to me and be like, oh, you have a lot of big hits, me already know that that's who I am, but I need, I want y'all to get y'all own perspective of me. So me, uh, I like to just listen to people. So uh, I got this one story. Um, Me and my brother went to the mall, which we is in the mall, and everyone knows Quentin Williams. So uh they would go up to him, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I got that really good 56, not knowing that I'm standing right by him. <laughs> so uh so uh, my brother was just like why you ain't say nothing and I was like no nah, I just like to hear people what people have to say about me, you 100%. see and he was like uh 56 starting to be one of my uh very good players, uh f- favorite players for the Jets. And meanwhile, I'm just standing right by not saying anything. <laughs>
0: hey, lastly, I just want to end with this. How special is this week for you? Not only are you playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it's the holiday season. It's Christmas this week, and you're playing alongside your brother on the New York Jets, and you're really thriving. And despite facing a number of roadblocks in your life, it's the power of positivity that's overcome here.
3: Yeah, it is. Uh, So it is the Christmas holidays, and uh, I get to spit it with my family. And also I get to play a game with my brother also, which is also my family. Uh, My family's actually coming to the game. And um, for Christmas, I just I, uh, I still write letters to Santa Claus just to like keep in the spirit. But I told him I wanted that hundred tackles uh, this game, man. It's a pos- i mean, not a possibility—but I'm going to get it. So that's
0: all I wanted
1: for Christmas. That
3: uh, hundred tackle well, marker. <laughs>
2: well, well said. We really enjoyed talking to you. thank
1: Appreciate you, Quincy.
2: Great stuff from Quincy Williams. Please, folks,
0: we have a holiday wish here. Subscribe, mm. rate, and review the official Please. Jets podcast. If you like what you're hearing, if you like what you are watching, dudes and I, the official Jets podcast, we're presented by Win Bet betting as a team sport. Bet together at Win Bet. Uh, Quincy Williams is what the 2021 season is all about. Young development, right? Oh,
1: 100%. And you're talking about young guys being able to get an opportunity and then relishing in those opportunities. I mean, I really just enjoyed our talk with him. And this guy, to me, just plays a rec- reckless abandon. I love it. Now, if you can table some of that as far as, you know, always just being downhill and, and then his, his, um, his IQ of where to go in certain situations and how to play certain schemes, this guy can be special. And I think he's earned the right going into next year to fight to be the starter next to C.J. Mosley coming into the 2022 season. I believe he's earned that right. He's He's been a godsend since, you know, they brought him in here. You know, was mainly supposed to be a special teams player when he got here, and that's what he had been known for. Then we had the injuries to, to Sherwood. He was able to go in, played really well. Then Sherwood came back, went back to special teams, and was balling on special teams. Then we lost Sherwood for the year, so they put him back as starter, and he's just taken off since then. So I believe he's earned the right for the potential to, to start next year next to C.J. Mosley. And, and this guy's only going to get better, especially when you're playing next to a guy like C.J. Mosley. This is a guy you can talk to who's played at the highest of levels, has been a consummate pro, been a pro bowler. Like there's no better mentor for Quincy
0: Williams. Jets, Jaguars, Sunday at MetLife Stadium. We're going to get to that here in a second. I want to get your thoughts on a couple topics in the National Football League. The Chargers and the Chiefs played an outstanding game (laughs) last Thursday night. You are the biggest Justin Herbert fan around, but i got to be honest. You're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone here. Um, uh, Outstanding player. I I just wanted to ask you about Brandon Staley, impressive young coach, former defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Against the Chiefs, he elected to go for the strategy (laughs) of – No field goals. We're going for it in fourth down basically when we're in plus territory. Uh, And and he he stayed with that strategy. Your thought on that before we get to another decision he made in that
1: game? I don't 100% agree with it. But what I do respect is the way that Brandon Staley explained it about him being aggressive and this is who he is. And he said, (laughs) the thing that I really love that he said, EA, and I would love to play for a guy like this, is he said, even though I made a decision, I'm with all the smoke whether it went well or, went, or or bad, right? So whether they were able to, you know, convert on those fourth downs and potentially score touchdowns or adversely, whether it went bad like it did versus the Chiefs and they didn't convert on those fourth downs and they didn't score and end ended up losing the game. He said, I'm with all the smoke that comes with, with those decisions. So as a player on that team, like you love a coach that is willing to stick by his decision. The thing that irks you as a player is when a coach is – here and there with his decisions to eat. Like sometimes he has the confidence to do it. Sometimes he doesn't have the confidence to do it. It changes from week to week. But this guy has been the same since he got that job with the Chargers. I've talked to a few players on that team, and they literally love playing for that guy. Now, me, I'm a little bit old school. I think with the way your defense was playing that first half, I mean, points are a premium, right? And and usually field goals don't beat the Kansas City Chiefs, but we've all seen that this isn't the same Kansas City Chiefs team as the last two years that we've seen. So to me, you have to take – I mean, I understand maybe going for it um, on fourth and two at the two-yard line, but I believe on the first drive when you're at the five-yard line, you throw it three times, you get nothing. You have to take a field goal there. Like, three points is big right there. And then right before the half, you got to take a field goal there. Like, three points before the half is big because, again, at that point, your defense had been playing really well. Um, They didn't start getting cooked until the second half, and really it was because of two explosive plays from, you know, Travis Kelsey. So – yeah, I understand. Like, you, you want to have a lot of confidence in your team. You you, you want to go win games. You don't want to have to, you know, try to ease by and squeak through wins. But you also have to trust in your defense and trust in your team. And uh, the defense had struggled against the run, but we know Kansas City Chiefs don't run the football. So like, it kind of played into the hands of you know the Chargers being able to get up to the quarterback. They got a good secondary. I would have kicked at least two of those two of those field goals out of the fire. I don't I don't question every fourth down decision, but two of those I question.
0: Oh, Okay, so there's a lot to get to here. (laughs) Analytics and feel. At what point do you (laughs) go with analytics, and then at what point? Aren't there times in games where you got to say, well, the numbers might say it this way, but the feel of the game is something uh, else, and I'm going to go in the other direction. And finally here, here's what I don't understand. You're taking that strategy, but at a point in the second half, you get a touchdown, and it's a seven-point game. Why yeah. are you not going for two points there? I don't understand.
1: But it's a, and, and that's the thing, right? So, like, people are talking about analytics and what you should do. I believe if you're down by 14 and you score, you're supposed to go for two. That way, where you know where you stand in the game. And uh, people asked John Harbaugh that question the other day, too. Once they got it to within seven, why didn't he go for two? Because I believe the week before, he said the same thing, because I rather know where we stand now then later on in the game so it's like um the thing I like about Brandon Staley is that he doesn't put emotion into the game but it also can be a question mark because we all know this EA there's an epic flow to the game right and momentum's a yeah. serious thing so whether you want to admit it or not that plays a part should play a part in your decision making right because like literally their defense the Ravens Talking about the the hardball thing, the Ravens' defense hadn't stopped Aaron Rodgers and them all night long. Like Aaron Rodgers missed two throws and they had to kick field goals. um So to so me, you're
0: talking at the end of the game. You're thinking, watching that game, you got to go for two. Period. Yeah, I think
1: the hardball thing isn't a bad. I think that's an automatic decision, right? Because okay. they hadn't yep. stopped Aaron Rodgers. But for me, the Chargers had stopped Patrick Mahomes a few times, right? So like, like stop going for fourth down attempts all the time. Get the points because your defense literally like literally got you the ball back. I think Nuoso got an interception and you guys score off of that. Like your defense had been getting stops that game. It wasn't like they were just scoring every single drive. I just think it's a premium on points. And yes, I understand Brandon Staley taking the emotion out of it and just making a tactical or analytic analytical decision. But I, I think that hurt his team because what were they two or five on fourth down? Yeah, I believe. Two of five, five. So right. like and, of course, hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, You can say, well, if you just kick one of those field goals, you win the game. But, literally, I like I stated the two opportunities I thought he should keep – like, it's fourth and five from the five-yard line, the first drive of the game. You get a big return. Like, take the three points. Like, it's the beginning of the game. Now, going forward, say, like, the Chiefs did come back down to score, but then you guys answered the score now. So, so I would understand if your offense was struggling after that, then you're like, we got to go for the fourth down because we don't know how many opportunities we're going to get with the ball. But your offense was cooking, so it's like take the field goal. Your defense had made a few stops. Take take the points. They're at a premium, man.
0: But the reason why I bring this up is because it it impacts the Jets because this has an impact on the National Football League. How are people playing these games? Yeah, I'm from an observer standpoint. I think you got to go somewhere in the middle. We saw Sean McDermott coach the Bills in the AFC Championship game last year. Yeah, and he was really conservative with the field goals. And we see Brandon Staley against the Chiefs go to the other extreme. Exactly. Where, you know, I think I I'm think, not kicking uh, any the, field goals. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of think I kind of think the sweet spot is right in the middle. It's right you in the would, middle. Think,
1: so, so this a, is a perfect conversation for the Jets, right? So, yes, we were talking about this while watching the game um, after after the third down with about two minutes of what 12 seconds left. Um, solid decides to punt the ball, and you know, I think the Jets had the ball around the, what, the 35, 40 yard line, their own 30 plus 30, 30. So, I'm like, I might have went for this there because, uh, now granted, your defense, and I think that's what solid was banking on. And we kind of talked about this earlier with Staley. The defense had gotten the ball back to the offense three or four times in that fourth quarter, so I guess he was banking it off that. And that's the emotion of the game, right? You're talking about it the momentum of the game, your defense is playing well, you got to pick six two series before that, I believe my defense can go out there and get a three-and-out and and get the ball back. But a lot of coaches would have been like, it's two minutes left. We're down by seven. We're going for this on fourth. Even though we got two timeouts, we're going for this on fourth down. Now, the Miami Dolphins compounded that by throwing it on third down and getting an incompletion, and the Jets were able to save a timeout. I thought was ignorant. Why not run the football and make the Jets use their timeouts? Um, Because your defense in the second half, the Dolphins defense had played really well. The Jets hadn't been able – they moved the ball a little bit that one drive before Zach Wilson had the sack fumble. But besides that, the offense hadn't played well for the Jets the second half. So if most coaches probably would have went for that. But Solid decided to trust his defense, knowing knowing they had been able to get the ball back to the offense, and he punted the ball. Because when I was sitting there, I was like, I probably would have went for that Uh, just because I don't know if our defense can technically – they hadn't stopped the run game in the second half. So, like, if they get one first down, it's over with you know if we punt the ball Salad, back to a
0: little bit of ball it did say back. yeah so t- Solid did say after the game that if the Jets scored on that final offensive possession he was definitely going for two oh, 100%, I would have yeah yeah if they made it 31 to 30 and he said that he thinks Wilson will benefit from having the ball down one possession even though they didn't get it done but just being out there facing a defense in that situation in 2 minute drive um yeah, because he, he hadn't done it yet, you know. Right. So, so I, it was it Another,
1: was pivotal for his growth for him to go through a two minute situation down by seven with a potential to score to and win. Live as
0: being on the practice field, for exactly. You guys in shorts. So, it, real quickly, uh, back on you're going for uh, an extra point attempt, they're going for two. Mm-hmm. I think all teams. This is just me. All teams, if you're up seven in the third. So let's just say you had a one-point game, you scored a touchdown, you're up seven, you either can go extra point to make it eight or two to make it nine. You always should go for two, I think, and, and that's – Well, difference. just in case the
1: team misses an extra point, you're saying?
0: No, um, Yeah, because otherwise it's – otherwise you're Oh, it's a one-score
1: game, you're saying, yeah. Yes,
0: because it, you leave it a one-score game, and who's going for it in the situation where you're up – seven they t- they get scored make it six most teams are going to elect to go an extra point in that situation to go for a tie i'd like to put the pressure Actually, on them make it a two possession game
1: i kind of like the way you're thinking I, w- I would love to do the research and see what the analytics are on that as far as if yes. you're you score and you go up by seven with the potential to kick a, f- a extra point go up by eight or go for two and go up by nine uh that's real interesting i like the aggression of it um, I think most coaches would still be a little bit conservative there because they're saying you still got to score a touchdown and convert on a two point conversion. Uh, if right. we kick this extra point, but I like that because then you make it an automatic two 2 score game, yeah. You're you making it a two point. So I was, yeah, uh, I mean, a... you know what? Yeah, I might do the research on just to see what the percentages say and what there's what you're supposed to do there.
0: Okay, uh, MVP thoughts mm-hmm. is, is this Aaron Rodgers definitely gonna win this thing right it's now? It's not even close. Not
1: even close, okay. <laughs> the only thing is, honestly, Jonathan Taylor, I give a really good shot. Like, now, depends on what happens these last three weeks. But if he continues to do uh, continues to do what he's doing as far as, like, averaging, like, 160, 170 a game um, down the stretch, I think they still have a uh, big game. I think they had the game versus the Cardinals still coming up. Uh, so I think they still have two two pretty big games. If he can do that and they find their way in the playoffs, then I think it's a real discussion. But the way that man A.A. A. Ron is playing, man. I don't know if you saw some of those throws versus the Baltimore Ravens this past week, highly disrespectful, highly. Like that pass that Mardez, uh, Valdez-Scantling crossed the middle I with a know. free dropper, one safety over the top in the corner underneath. Like he's the only player making that throw right now. Like hands down, he's the only player. Like this, this dude, this dude is, 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 is unruly. Like, like he's just, the disrespect that he has in that arm and the accuracy that he has like even on the touchdowns at the Valdez scantley late in the game on the slant route right? he put it where only Valdez could catch it and get up the field and score a touchdown like the dude is he's a magician it's ridiculous
0: he's nasty uh, okay we'll give him the MVP i agree but i, I do want jonathan taylor jonathan taylor his... should be uh, jonathan
1: taylor will be offensive player of the year for sure
0: okay because we all know uh, the I, MVP
1: I... is a quarterback driven award um but uh, say say the Colts were they finish the season like fourteen and three or thirteen and four, then I would think it would be a real discussion. But because of the six losses and then Jonathan Taylor had been balling all year, but it was really from like week five on where he kind of took off. Cause remember, people forget Derrick Henry was Derrick was Henry. the guy. Yeah. So I think if Jonathan Taylor was doing now what he did from week one, then it really would be neck and neck. But um uh, I think we show I think Aaron Rodgers showed you who he is, right? That he really is only had two losses for the Green Bay Packers. The other loss, you know, Jordan Love was the quarterback versus the Chiefs. So this guy literally has the best record in football because he only has two losses when he's been available. And he's been able to uplift his team. Like the Arizona game comes to mind. None of his top receivers, all three of his top receivers out. And they still find a way to beat the Arizona Cardinals at that time. People thought we're the best team in football. So to me, it's it's a Ron back-to-back MVP. And it'll be interesting offseason to see what goes on in Green Bay if he decides to leave or stay.
0: I, I can't see him leaving anymore. I just can't see That's it what everybody's enough. saying, but this, this is what Aaron Rodgers does, right? He, he I drama. know. He's a different TNT,
1: term, yeah. TNT. We love drama. So, what he's going to do, he's going to build this up, and he's going to break everybody's heart and end up going yep, to Denver yep. or somewhere else like that.
0: <laughs> Dude, that run by JT to cement that game was sick. Finish, I didn't think. Finish he, him. Dude, I didn't think anything was there. Hightower well, is a
1: very good run defender. So it you wasn't saw- just Hightower; it was Devin McCourty. Yeah. We're both in the hole, right? And this shows you that John Taylor just isn't a downhill runner. The vision that he plays with to cut across, across the grain, right? There was barely any hole. It was like this much space. He cut across <coughs> Hightower one on one in the hole, and then you see the track speed. I believe he still was ranked is ranked higher, the highest speed this year in the NFL as far as in the open field. I think he was cocked at like 22 miles an hour. This is a guy that has been routinely known for running physical. But what you don't understand is when he gets in the open field, he's running by you. That was JC Jackson chasing him and he could not catch him. That is a DB. One of the best DBs in football right now, if not the best DB in football, and he could not catch him. Like that shows you the speed that Jonathan Taylor plays with. He's just a complete back man out of the backfield catching the ball. And I know, Not uh, not Najin Himes gets a lot of the catches out of the backfield, but he's a complete back, man. And again, he's to me right now is number two in the MVP race. So people will still say Tom Brady is number one. I would say the last couple of weeks, Tom Brady has kind of fallen off the MVP race just because of how he's played. And I'm not just talking about the new Orleans game. Like he didn't play really well versus the Atlanta Falcons either, as far as the turnovers. So to me, it's Aaron Rodgers, And then it has to be Jonathan Taylor.
0: Okay. The NFC is going to go through, Green Bay, if you're going to win an NFC. Already you giving beat,
1: it to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to beat the Packers there. The AFC, are you saying Kansas City now is kind of vaulted up top? Or are you saying AFC is wide open? I can't, I can't
1: believe I'm saying open? this. I, 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 literally, it's going to have to go through Kansas City. Like, okay. And who would have thought this like seven weeks ago we'd be saying this, right? <laughs> Everybody had put the Kansas City Chiefs on a scrap pile. But now they've been blessed, right, because Tennessee lost – their top three playmakers on offense because I thought that was a team that was going to be really hard to beat this year and they've proved it earlier in the year when they had all three of their top playmakers on offense which is A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Julio Jones they were a hard outfit to beat right um, but without those three it, it's been a struggle and then I think Julio went down again this past week uh, they potentially could get A.J. Brown back this week and then the following week potentially could get Derrick, uh Henry back, which is big for them because they need that going into the playoffs. And the way that team is built, they don't necessarily need home field advantage to win because uh, the run game of defense travels. And that's an old saying, but it's true. So I honestly uh, thought uh, the Tennessee we, we're gonna, was going to be the, the, the number one team in the AFC. Um, right now the Colts are a team that nobody wants to play, to be honest with you. That's the one team in the AFC nobody wants to play in the playoffs if they were to get in. I think they Hell will oh, yeah, because
0: you would think they were a dome team that they won't, you know, that's a team that you is not going to want to go outside. But, and but and Buffalo learned the hard difference. way.
1: Buffalo learned the hard way up there yeah. at Ultra Park. And they got yeah. smacked up uh, by, in- by Jonathan Indianapolis, Taylor.
0: Indianapolis is built for this thing. Yeah, they that's the one team in the now, AFC.
1: But you have to say that, that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are the favorite right now. Now, honestly, I believe the Chargers are their biggest threat, right? The Chargers Ooh. should have won that game, and they beat them already earlier this year because they can get you to turn the football over. And they made Patrick Mahomes turn it over in that game as well. They just didn't capitalize on all the fourth down opportunities they had to go win the game. So, honestly, the Chiefs are the number one team right now in the AFC, but I don't have a ton of confidence. I don't believe that are Chiefs of old. I would say when Tennessee gets healthy and also the Chargers are the biggest threat to those two teams. Now, you can't discredit the New England Patriots. They were coming off the bye. I don't think anybody in their right mind thought that Jonathan Taylor was going to run. And for the most part, they kept him under wraps until the end of that last big run. Um, But there was times where he was still running for four or five yards to carry, and that's what Jonathan Taylor does. And just like Derek Henry, he'll break one for 50 or 60 on you. So uh, I don't think anybody saw that with the game on the line, that the Patriots would give up a big run like that. But I think the Colts have proven that with their offensive line, we don't care how many people you got in the box, come get this work. We're running the ball down the hill. We're gonna out physical you the whole game, and by the end of the game, we're gonna take your will. And they've proven that they can do that.
0: All right, I want some selections quickly. Uh, we're gonna go through four of the most important games on the docket this week. Yeah, San Francisco, who is really hot. Tennessee, Tennessee
1: Thursday night, right? Or
0: yeah, who you got?
1: Well, I mean, Tennessee is just too banged up. And it sucks, right? Because they've you want to be healthy going into the playoffs. They've done the opposite way. They've been beat up <laughs> going into the playoffs. San Francisco. We talked about the Colts being a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs. The 49ers are definitely that team in the NFC East that nobody wants smoke with. Jimmy Garoppolo has played out of his mind. Besides a few picks versus Seattle game where they lost, um, George Kittle is a man possessed at the tight end position. Debo Samuels is the best receiver. Who would have thought this year we would have two receivers slash running backs that could potentially be top 10 in at the running back position and at the receiver position? We talk about Debo Samuels and Cordero Patterson, right? And then you talk about with Eliza Mitchell, their rookie running back. He, I believe, is top 10 in rushing yards. They can run downhill. They have probably the best left tackle in football in Trent Williams. That is a team that nobody wants to see. And on defense, you know, Nick Bosa should be actually in a defensive player of the year uh, category. They haven't talked about him enough because San Francisco has struggled and they've come on late. But this dude has 14 sacks this year. Like, people aren't talking about that enough. He is getting after the quarterback. So I'm taking San Francisco on the road right there. The, uh routinely San Francisco's played better on the road than they've played at home this year. So uh, I'm taking San Francisco on the road right there to win on Thursday night.
0: All right, we, we gotta get to our game. So I just want one word answers on these. Indian Arizona. You. Indian Arizona Saturday night.
1: Is that Arizona? It is. I'm taking Indianapolis Colts. We, we've seen this from Arizona before, but you said one word answer. So I'm gonna take I'm taking the Colts in that run game with Jonathan Taylor.
0: Baltimore at Cincinnati.
1: <laughs> the funny thing is, I'm taking Baltimore in this game. Now, I know they got embarrassed at home for Cincinnati earlier this year, and I know you said quick answers, but whether Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley is playing, I just believe they're going to find a way. John ba- John Hallball has just routinely done this. We saw it last year when Lamar went in the locker room with cramps, came back out, and they had to win the rest of the games to get into the playoffs last year. They just find a way to win. I think that they're going to win this game because they're suited to win games like this.
0: It's hard to sweep teams, especially inside that division. Buffalo in New England.
1: (sighs) And I know this game is a Gillette. Um, I think that New England writes the ship and they sweep Buffalo this year. That uh, Mike Jones, um, he showed me a little something, right? Being down, he hadn't been down this whole year. Being able to put his team in position to potentially come back and win that game versus the Colts. Made some big time throws. Didn't show that he was a rookie in that game. Uh, I believe Damon Harrison could potentially be back. Him and Stevenson in the run game. We saw that's what the Buffalo defense really struggles with, a physical run game. Uh, I believe they're going to try to out-physical them at the line of scrimmage, and I believe New England takes this game.
0: All right. Jets-Jaguars. For the Jets, is this a game for theirs to lose? Meaning, should the Jets win this game? I think the Jets
1: should win this game just because – We've seen what the Jacksonville Jaguars have gone through, the turmoil with their head coach, and it's a little discombobulated over there. But these are the games that make you worried, right, EA, the games you expect expect to win and then something goes wrong. Um, I think there's a lot more continuity for the Jets. Hopefully, George Fant and the defensive tackles for the Jets are potentially able to come back and play this week because that is a big, you know, major factor in this game. But this is going to be a tight game. It's going to be a low-scoring game, very young quarterbacks. Now, watch this happen to be a shootout because I said it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a 35-37 game or something like that. But I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Both teams are going to try to establish a run. We know that the Jaguars are going to get James Robinson heavily involved in this run game. But Michael Carter's second week back and also Tevin Coleman, I believe that run game is going to be the determining factor in this game. Now, can Zach Wilson make enough tight window throws? Because they play a lot of man coverage as well. A lot of two-man coverage too. Can he make the tight coverage throws to put the Jets over the top for the win?
0: Yeah, final thoughts. You think the Jaguars are going to lean on Robinson? We all do. But Trevor Lawrence, what would you say about his rookie season, all the instability that has gone on there in Jacksonville? Where, Where do you think he's at right now?
1: I mean, that was the perfect word, EA. Instability has been the thing. And when you're a leader uh, who's supposed, quotation mark, be your leader, the head coach is all over the place, and he's not getting back on the plane after games and talking crazy to coaches, getting into it with one of the veteran players who nobody has ever said anything bad about in Marvin Jones, there's an issue, right? And, and that can sometimes mess up a rookie quarterback going forward. I just hope that it doesn't hurt Trevor Lawrence in the future as far as having him messed up thinking this is what an NFL program is supposed to be about because it's not what it is. That's that's just discombobulation over there. Um, it's instability over there. You lack of leadership. Um, that's not what a pro program is all about. So hopefully they can bring in the right guy. Uh, and he doesn't have to be like a quarterback guru, but he has to be quarterback friendly as far as the head coach. But then he has to put somebody around him on the offensive side that can mentor Trevor Lawrence and use that high skill set, the skill set that so many talent evaluators said was the best that they've seen since Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. So um, the thing is, it's just been a lot of instability over there and I pray that it doesn't really hurt his career going forward.
0: Merry Christmas and happy holidays everybody.